Hello everyone, welcome back to the main event. You are here for a Euros podcast this time with me, Daniel. And Aaron. Aaron, we've had a few people ask us if we'd like to get stuck into the Euros fantasy football game. We were a little unsure, it's been a long, hard Champions League season. We are going to go again next year and that's obviously a lot of work. So we have decided to put together three more reasonable size podcasts for everyone. One thing that I have seen on Twitter is a lot of people asking for everything all in one. Really hard when there's 24 teams, but we are going to try our best to fit it all into three. Starting with this one. So the format for the three, first of all, we are going to go over, this is a bit more of a beginner podcast, the rules, strategies, and just general tips to succeed. This is a different game to FPL. This is very similar, minus the ball recovery points to the Champions League game, which we've been playing regularly for the last couple of years. So we are going to try to apply some of the things that we've learned from that game and put them into this one. Our second podcast is going to be a quick fire flash podcast. So basically myself and Aaron are going to have one minute each to talk about every team. So we aren't going to do what we normally do for the Champions League group previews, where we go through every, every group and every team in good detail. Because for that competition, each team will play six games. For this competition, there are six games in total for the group. So I just don't think it requires that much of a deep dive. And then lastly, we are going to go through some other players that have been uh, sort of highly bored. A lot of people are looking into them, a few traps and, and things like that. Maybe things that we couldn't quite squeeze into episode two, but hopefully it'll be enough for everyone to get the teeth stuck into without wasting hours of sunshine as it's so beautiful at the minute, looking into. After all, there should be fun and not a headache. So Aaron, are you ready? I am ready. I feel like I feel like with a lot of people, they're getting like really, really into this. But I feel with international football, it's it's almost depends more on individual quality. So that's what we're hopefully going to try and identify is the individual quality, because I've noticed from looking into these teams, a lot of them play the same sort of formations and system and then just let the players do the rest. So you'll see what happens and just enjoy it because all the work starts when the Champions League starts for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's hope we don't do too badly, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do you want to talk to us about the basic rules, first of all, Aaron? Yeah. So I guess... When I do this, for those who have played the Champions League football before uh, or those who are looking into maybe doing it next year, I'll try and compare things to FPL, but not too much because I don't want to confuse everyone. The rules are pretty very similar. It's a fantasy game. So uh, you've got 100 million for the group stages, which rise to 105 to, in the knockouts to select a team of players. The players who perform well in real life get more points. And that's what you want to try and do is get all the points. So unlike with FPL, you're actually able to do manual substitutions. And I think that's something that we're going to touch on a little bit later. Uh, but that can put a lot of people off this game because it is different to FPL. So I've been hearing a lot of kind of confusion on Twitter being like, oh, it, this game requires way too much work. It's actually not that hard once you actually get once used a night. to it. It's literally once a night that yeah. you've got to do something. After the final game's played, have a look at your team and go. Or, as we always say, wait until 
right before kickoff for the first game. So you know the team treats. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. So we'll go. I'll just say the, the simple stuff first. So you have to make a squad of 15 players, two goalkeepers, five defenders, five midfielders, and three forwards. You have to have like a viable formation when you play something that would be used in real life. So I can't just have like one defender. You're allowed three people per team just to start with. And that gradually increases throughout the knockout uh, stages. Obviously, as the teams get less and less, you still have to fill them 15 spots. Similar to FPL, you select a captain. I know there's a few uh, fantasy games where you don't have to do that, but this is a big bonus with this game is that you can change your captain throughout the match day. So if someone plays on the first night, doesn't do well, your whole match day isn't ruined. You're still able to try and get some big points. We'll touch on substitutions afterwards, but with transfers, you're allowed two between each uh, match day of the group stage following from that round of 16 you get a free unlimited amount of transfers you can make as many subs as you want get rid of all them people who didn't qualify and then that's where the tricky part comes in is making sure that you can finish the tournament with a full team as teams get knocked out and upsets happen eventually you'll get five transfers for the final and semi-finals but i think the tricky part is the three transfers between the quarterfinals and the round of 16, because that's a lot of teams getting knocked out. Yep. You get two chips with this. You get a wild card, which is unlimited transfers. You follow the remainder of the competition with that team that you created with the unlimited transfers. Pretty much the same as FPL. The next one is limitless, which I've seen a little bit of confusion over. This is basically like a free hit where you make as many transfers as you want just for that game week. It reverts back to your old team afterwards, but there's no budget restrictions. However, the team restrictions where you're only allowed to pick three or four players per team still applies. So just onto the rules and like kind of how you score points. So the rules are pretty much similar to FPL, except if you penalties, there's a little bit of of a difference with them. If you manage to win a penalty for your team, you get two points instead of an assist. If you were the person on the other team who gave the penalty away, you get points deducted. Uh, But you also get an extra point for goals outside the box for any of these players. So if you get someone who takes free kicks, their appeal kind of goes up as well. Um, And unlike the Champions League one, there's no ball recovery points, which is kind of sad. But other than that, the rules are very similar to FPL and hope that made sense to, to people who were unsure about some of the of the chips yeah i think a lot of people have went through the rules um which is why we wanted to really briefly touch on them if there's any confusion just get us on twitter at ucl fantasy pod nelly said at euros fantasy pod there at ucl fantasy pod tweet us and we'll let you know any of the rules we are proficient in them now on to i think the main issue with this game that's captaincy changes and manual subs So really, really briefly to touch on the manual subs rule, if you make a manual substitute in between the game days, you do not get automatic substitutions. You only get automatic if you don't touch anything. But with the captaincy changes, this is one of the most important things to consider. So you don't need a captain for every day, but you definitely want one for the first three game days. A last... A last game day captaincy means that you've had a pretty shocking result in the first three days. So I wouldn't be 
too conflicted if you don't have one. If you do have one, fantastic. It's better to be safe than sorry, but it doesn't need to be a super big hitter, you know, your Ronaldo's. It can just be anyone that plays on that last day because ultimately, if you've blanked for the first three, then anything will do for the end. What I will say is one of the great things is obviously there does come a point of risk versus reward. So your player could actually score a goal, but you might think, actually, you know what? The next day, someone's got an even easier fixture. What do I do? How do I decide? For me, I always say this on our Champions League podcast. I work it out sort of as if it was money. And am I gambling for the correct amount of of upscale, basically? So if a striker scores one goal, and that's it, there's no bonus points in this game. He just scores from inside the box, nice and easy, six-pointer, double to 12. And then I'm looking, you know, do I want to switch my captaincy to another forward? Essentially, really what I'm risking here is four points or four pounds if I was to work it out money-wise. What am I expected to get for that risk of four pounds? I can either lose it, earn it straight back, or maybe get to eight. And that's sort of where you've got to make your decisions. What are you comfortable doing? And this game favours certain types of players and those are the players that can be maverick when it's needed but also know when they're on to a good thing and it's crazy to see how many people get sucked into wanting to make a change but also how many people are absolutely petrified to and that is going to be the key thing here can you make the correct captaincy changes because half the time it's not even who you put it on it's who you're taking it off which is so fascinating so really just try and work out the maths. What are you likely to win and what are you likely to lose off these players? What's your what you're expecting? And is that upside worth it? And is the downside worth it? And only you can answer that question. But make sure you've got a captaincy for at least the first three game days, if not the fourth. Mm-hmm. I like what you say in the Champions League one, where because of this rule, it allows you to try and target the players with the highest ceiling in the first few, yeah. then target the safe floor in the later uh, match days. So, Exactly. If you've got Harry Kane and Lukaku in your team, they play on different days, and you think Harry Kane is a shoe-in for a captaincy pick, go for a differential in the Belgium game. Like, if they come off, then you're ahead of everyone. If Lukaku does score one then, you know, can Kane match that? Of course, Kane can match Lukaku. They can match each other. I'm, I'm choosing Kane over Lukaku here because he plays second. So it wouldn't be, the, it would never be the other way around at this, at this stage of the competition anyway. Maybe later on that might be different. But you can go for differentials in, in the first few games. Picking attacking wingbacks or fullbacks for like match day ones and twos can be a lot of fun. UCL, I, I got a little bit of a joke in, a, in one of my Twitter groups for this. Uh, obviously, you talk about Angelino a lot for the UCL when when we're in those groups. But he got 18 points on match day one this season. In If you captained him as your differential and then go safe for a Lewandowski and Bappe type player for the second game, like the upside's just absolutely massive. So yeah, there's definitely worth taking risks in the early stages. I'd probably avoid goalkeepers and things like that. Goalkeepers can be fairly safe picks towards the end if you think they're going to get a clean sheet. Uh, but if you've got an Italian player plus an, uh, like a front and Donnarumma, for example, go for whatever Italian player you've got in attacking position and 
hopefully they're a differential for you. Take take the risk. Go for go for a wing back if there is an attacking wing back playing for one of these teams. You might get something out of it. No, definitely. And I think one of the one of the questions and a little bit of the confusion I've seen is that people. I had someone who I saw on Twitter, and he thought that if you change captain, all of the points acquire. And that's where that risk versus reward. If you take the captain's armband off someone, the double points are no longer a thing for that person. Yeah. And I think that's just a little bit of confusion that someone had, but it's, it's, it's just fun. It's a good laugh. Um, and that's all it should be. You can't take fantasy UEFA that serious. <laughs> yeah. The game, the app doesn't work half the time. So. <laughs> I cannot wait. You know, like it is great. There, are, I follow quite a lot of F- FPL accounts and I watch a lot of of um FPL sort of YouTube streams when I'm at work normally I'll stick it on and then I can sort of have one eye on that one eye while I'm doing my work um just sort of gets me through the day really but it's going to be fun when they start realizing how bad the UEFA gaming hub is and they just start having many meltdowns at least as a, I mean Ball recovery is being taken away. Has ruined the prospects of certain players, uh, which we can talk about, you know, on the players section. But Kante being a a firm choice for his money, but at the same time, there isn't going to be any of this. He's got three ball recovery points in six minutes. Oh, he's down to one ball recovery point in total. Yeah. What's it? Just it's up, it's down, it's around. I mean. Kurtzova, Champions League, at one point had a penalty won, a penalty conceded. I think they'd put three yellow cards on him. It was just an absolute nightmare. <laughs> so all of the, I think the points ended up working out all right by the time you'd added and deducted them all. So get used to that. If the Gaming Hub app changes between the games and when it sort of updates overnight, just don't complain it's knackered. Like, fair enough, you want to send a letter or an email, letter? An email to UEFA or the gaming hub, whoever runs it. I mean, please do, but we don't want to see it on Twitter. We all know about it. It's rubbish. Mm-hmm. Going into strategies, a uh, little bit different to both FPL and the Champions League game with wildcard, just because there's less games, there's half the amount of games within the group stages. And that's where a lot of people like to use the chips. So, there are sort of even two well-known strategies in the Champions League game, and that is Limitless, Game Week 2, Wildcard, Game Week 3, and Limitless, Game Week 2, or 3, and Wildcard, Quarterfinals. Uh, with this, I, I do see quite a an easy route, and that is what everyone's been talking about. It took them a little while to get there. I saw a lot of Game week two wildcard, game week three limitlesses, but eventually it did kind of turn to the more sensible quarterfinal limitless, uh, quarterfinal standard wildcard, sorry. The amount of teams that you have knocked out because you just get it wrong is absolutely ridiculous. If you are so good at guessing all the teams that are going to get through that next stage of the competition, right after the group stages, then you'd be winning thousands betting, but you're not, you're playing this game instead. So know your limits. And that is, that is something that we've had to do on this podcast, just know our limits, like whatever we get. We might get some points out of it, but we could very well be wrong. And having a wild card to get you out the crap is so, so important. 
And one of the reasons for the Champions League game not using limitless and standard wildcards between match day four and six is the rotation. A lot of the big teams are already through or getting there or comfortable. And if they're not, then would you really want to get those players in anyway? With this, there's only there's only three game days. So for game day three, we are likely to see lots and lots of rotation. If you want to try and guess that, be our guest. Uh, I, I think you're a very brave person to guess rotation. I don't think it would be great to use a chip then. That being said, it could be a massive differential. I don't with with the Champions League games, you get prizes for each match day. So if you win, if you're top for match day one in the world or whatever, you get the prop like I don't know, like a, a bag and a copy of FIFA 98 or something stupid. I don't know if that you get stuff like that for this game. So if you fancy a, a one-week prize, then maybe use your wild card or your limitless in match day three, because it could probably be a differential, I'd imagine over everyone who is limitless in match day two. But that it is the smartest way to go, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think I've fell victim to that in my first season in the Champions League where I wasn't able to field a full 11. Because there's only seven match days, the points are going to be so tight. It's going to come down to like one point and that will determine like hundreds in the rankings. Like it's going to be very close. If you don't have people playing in the final because you got the chips wrong and then you have to take a hit i think that's going to be huge on on rank and and stuff because there's not many games like it's very very yeah. close uh, i think definitely what i'm going to do just from playing the champions league game before even though there's not the first and second legs but yeah i'm just saving my wild card for any predictions wrong in the knockout stages for limitless i'm seeing a lot of like people using it in the group stage which is it's almost recommended in the Champions League one because you get an extra transfer back. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I was just trying to look at the rules there and I couldn't see that you get a transfer back in this game. So Limitless probably is still better to do in the group stage, but two seasons ago in the Champions League, I used it in the semi-final and climbed like huge up the ranks. So... I'd probably still say that the group stage is probably better, probably match day two, because you know that everyone is still fielding their strongest 11s. But I've seen other people try and do it to try and combat that rotation. So be interesting to see what people do with that. Um, but yeah, that's all I would say is probably do limitless in the group stage, other one in the knockouts. The other one, the other one, the wild card. Yeah, definitely agree. So let's just jump on to some tips to succeed. I think a lot of people know the rules now. We just want to sort of make sure just so that we weren't excluding anyone. So these are just things that we've learned from the Champions League game and in FPL in general, but definitely the Champions League game as in the Champions League game is 13 or 14 rounds, 13, I think it is. And in this one, there's going to be even less. So this isn't, you know, a case of I'm going to pick this player and I'm going to have him for eight weeks and we'll see how well they do over eight weeks. It isn't working that way. My first tip is do not fall into the trap of backups filling in for first team players that are injured and being aware that when a first team player is injured or suspended or just not available, 
that the value of the team, but particularly what area of the team they play in, lowers. So the perfect example for this at the minute is the Netherlands. They don't have Van Dijk, who they haven't had for a while. Delict uh, went off with a groin injury in their um, in their training sessions during the week, so we don't know how he's gonna how he's gonna play. They've said, "Oh, Blind can come in," but I believe Blind did play in some of the qualifiers anyway with Delict, and then uh, Sillison, who was their first choice goalkeeper. So now they're going to get Tim Krul or um, Martin Stekelenburg, which are okay goalkeepers. But the fact that you have three key players missing from their defence devalues all of the other players in their defence that you're looking at. Van Dahl, for example, uh, a lot of people are going for him at 4.5 million. I'm not saying it's not worth the punt, but in my first draft, I had Van Dahl and I had Tim Krul, I believe. And looking at it, I just thought, no, if I'm going to punt, go for one of them. And if anything, I don't think Tim Krul is even nailed to be the goalkeeper. So he's definitely going out. But that that's just the way we've got to look at things. If There's so many times where we've done our review podcasts of a team and just went, as soon as I saw this, I knew this was going to happen. Barcelona um, PSG game, when PK came back after four months of injury, hadn't played a game, got thrusted straight in, and there was an issue at right back as well. And we just turned around and, and sort of what we had the conversation and Nathan went, yeah, I've got to captain Mbappe now and Mbappe scored a hat-trick. There are signs that we should look out for here that players aren't like for like. This is in FIFA where it's just like, ah, oh, just take him out and put him in. Yeah, he's not as quick, but whatever. They all have different strengths and weaknesses and they are there to be exploited. Germany in particular, whoever they're playing at right back or right wing back, depending whether they go four or five at the back, there is an opportunity there for them to be exploited. That's what we need to look at. It's not just a case of this team is good, therefore I can have anyone from their defence. If players are missing, they're devalued. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Go following on from kind of what you were saying, uh, just a tip that I've seen that's helped me is Unlike FPL, where your third sub probably isn't going to play, and so you can kind of just try and make them the most budget player ever. In this game, I think the fuller your team is, the more starters that you've got in your full 15, it really, really helps you out. Because if someone does blank, so say if Lukaku only gets two points and you had to like forfeit one of your bench positions to try and afford Lukaku in the first place. If that person saying, I think his name's Nago, for for example, he's in a lot of teams. We don't know if he's going to start, but people have him because he's so cheap. He's You're going to lose out on points when you could have tried to work out your finances a little bit differently and had actually a starter in there instead. And then that person could have potentially got maybe three or four points which is still more than what Lukaku got. So having a full playing bench and making full use of that rotation, I think is huge for this game. And I think is a difference between people doing well and, and not. I think just to follow on from that, um, there is the question of what are you getting for your money? And that's a case of, yes, it's great to have a, a playing bench. I totally agree with you. 
However, if one of your starters on your bench is five and a half million, I'm looking through these players. Are there any players under six million that are likely to get an attack in return? And for me, I cannot really see any. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got, I think you've got two options. I think you sacrifice one of your bench players, only one, I'd not threes and fours. I've seen teams with um, Hullis, who's a midfielder, and Nagel, who's a midfielder. One's four and a half and one's four. You know, I, I, I don't quite get that. So if you can sacrifice one of your players, so for example, getting a Nagel in to then allow you to afford to get players in and around the seven, eight million, yeah, I think that's yeah. absolutely viable because we've got to remember, we can still only play 11 people. You still want a low scoring bench. You you still want your starting 11 to do well. And if a player on your bench facilitates a, a starter that can do more, then that would be advisable. Because there's no ball recovery points in this game, it's so stupid. That is that is where players can get four or five points. Kante got six points in the final of the Champions League without getting an attack in return mm-hmm. because he got nine ball recoveries and he got a clean sheet. So that would be the other the other way to go. If you're going to pick a player that is five and a half million or below, make them a player that is a starter for a team that you think will keep a clean sheet so that they get a glorious three points instead of a miserable two. Mm-hmm. Because every point is important in this game. But I think playing that way kind of you know takes away some of the fun. The the point system, I don't think they've got it right at all. It, they've they've totally devalued so many players. There's they've made it more FPL like in terms of you know, you only really play one way again. Whereas I loved the fact for the Champions League game, you could take some risks in other positions and you never know what might happen. This, I just, I, I don't see it so much. So it's great to have a full playing bench. It, obviously, if you're going to pick someone that's 4 million, you may as well have them be someone that plays. But I'd, I would concentrate on getting, I'd say 13 out, like 13 players overall that you think are just nailed to score your points. And then everyone else can sort of fill in the blanks to get your two pointers. Quick thing just to let people know, if your player gets sent off, you can't sub them out. That's just something that I haven't seen anyone mention, actually, on some of the the previews that I've seen. So if you've got a Chiesa or Berardi, that seems to be the big issue at the minute for the game game day one. If one of those, if you, the, the player who starts gets sent off and you've got them in your team, you can't then sub them out with their minus points. They're in. So just keep that in mind. Any more tips from you, Aaron? Uh, no, just uh, I think... Like what you were saying, because the ball recoveries are taken out, I think one of the biggest things is the five substitutions. So someone might be starting and then get taken out before the hour mark. So they only get one point. I think that's going to be the biggest reason why some of your players might not get as big points, just because winning the competition has to come first and foremost for some of these teams. I can say that with De Bruyne, when he's eventually fit to play, I can only see him playing limited minutes until the knockouts because he's someone you don't really need to have a run in the team for him to pick up form he's so good yeah so that's where the substitutions will come really really handy just to make sure that that them two points that someone might get coming off the bench might be better than the one 
point that someone got because they were arrested. And that's good. That's a good point to make, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think other than that, like just <laughs> what you mentioned before, don't make any substitutes or captain changes until the lineup is confirmed in that first game, because the deadline is right as kickoff happens. You've you've got the team sheet, like. If you make a substitute, say you bring on Sterling and he doesn't even start, you, you've just lost points. So, uh, yeah, that's just one of them things for me. There's no rush. It, it's not – the price rises. If it's the same uh, as Champions League, the price rises didn't happen until the match day after, if that makes sense. So, like, if loads of people jump on someone for match day one – their prices didn't go up until match day three because it was a match day behind. It wasn't um, player bought though. It's um, it's based on performance. form, yeah, it's based on form. But these the price changes don't happen until the knockout stages for this. So all prices That's are the cool. same for groups because in the Champions League game it's until match day two or three, isn't it? And yeah. then it happens. The first couple of match days, there's nothing. And I think my final tip is to have no more than three outfield players in your team that are involved in the final game day of each week. So this is sort of split in two parts. So it's in terms of the, the group of death, Portugal, France, Germany, Hungary, you don't want any more than three players in total from all of those teams because you want a full... 11 to have played before you have to be dipping into these players statistically it just works out so much better that's it like mathematically um someone worked out for the champions league and i think it came out about 20 percent. i think it might be fpl facts with tim you want to give him a follow if it wasn't you tim have the shout out anyway why not so yeah the, the confusing thing for this tournament though is that from match day two and three, the final game day switches, so Spain actually get thrown into that. So for your limitless, it's fine, whatever. But for the final, it's so confusing with the game day's match day thing, the final game day of match day three, you'll want no more than three players from across the teams I've just mentioned plus Spain and whoever they're playing. I can't remember who they're playing on the last day. So just be aware of that. Otherwise, you are statistically giving yourself a worse chance of accumulating points as you will have a less clear idea of who to bring out. So that would be my final tip. Don't go heavy on those final boys, including Spain when they move in. So we will be doing uh, our... Usual league, the league code will be in the description for this. Uh, I know it's pretty rare that we actually show our faces on YouTube, Aaron, but we are going to start trying when there's not loads of us on making my internet jump up and down everywhere. We are, of course, as ever, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the rest of it. We're on Twitter, like I mentioned earlier, at UCL Fantasy Pod. So please feel free to ask us any questions. Usually uh, on a Tuesday for Champions League, I'm inundated. It'll be interesting for this, but feel free to ask away. We will try and get back to, to you when we can. I do usually see them straight away, but if I miss them, I am sorry. We will be back straight after this pretty much. We're going to record straight away with a 
with a flash podcast of a team analysis. So we are going to give ourselves one minute each to talk about every single team. That should be fun. So we will see you then. Thank you very much for watching. Bye now.